Happy New Year to you. It's January 10th, 2021. And if the last week is any indication, 2020 clearly isn't ready to be done yet. Hello, hello, it's Shara Carruthers here and you are listening to the Live Like You Love Yourself podcast. And I'm not going to lie, it has been an emotional start to 2021 with equal parts excitement for what we've got planned for this year and a little bit of fear for what's happening around the world and in our own country in the US and perhaps even a little bit of hope thrown in there for good measure. What about you? What are you thinking about or planning? How are you digesting what you've just been through? And how ready are you feeling for what's ahead? Well, whatever your experience at the current moment, I'm really glad that you made the choice to listen in and to let us welcome you into the new year. You know, we had something fun in common with our guests for this first episode of the year. They are a podcasting duo just like us, and they live in Australia just like us. But unlike us, they happen to be married to each other. Yes, this time we are talking to Ron Bowen and Joe Stewart, otherwise known as the Flow Artists. And they are some, a smart and funny and truly delightful duo who had some fascinating, fascinating experiences and some really interesting points of view to share with us from their home in Melbourne. You know, we originally reached out for a chat when we heard that Ron had been included in the list of 20 yoga teachers of color to watch in 2020, the only person from Australia on that list. And Ron is of Maori heritage, originally from New Zealand. And he's walked a beautiful and it's sometimes quite scary path to where he is today. And so we wanted to dive into his story, into their story, and to learn more about how they both live and teach their yoga. In the resulting conversation, it felt like eating a piece of warm apple pie, comfort food for the soul. And the best part is that we actually ended up recording another conversation with them for their podcast, which is going to be coming out sometime soon. So if you enjoy this one, you might actually want to keep an eye out for that one too. So we'll make sure to add a link to their podcast in the show notes, because you'll probably want to hear more of their podcast if this is the first time you're hearing them at all. And so I just want to welcome, I want to welcome you back and also welcome you to enjoy this conversation that Maria and I had with Joe Stewart and Ron Bowen, the flow artists. Nice to meet you both. Yeah. You too, you too. Yeah. yeah. Thanks so much for having us today. Oh my goodness, we're, oh, we're really excited. excited to chat oh, with cool. you guys, although I'm just breathing because I've just, uh, there's a huntsman outside my <laughs> and he's been there all day on the wall and so i've just been like whenever i've had to go upstairs to like get a drink of water or something i've just like run past him and then run back and then i had forgotten my headphones upstairs so i'm like oh great i gotta run past him again and so he just decides he's gonna run along the wall with me like oh, running in the same oh. direction and i'm like oh, i don't know why <laughs> anyway he I'm likes like, you yes thanks maria maria has convinced me that the huntsman <laughs> he's not interested in me he doesn't he doesn't care he doesn't want to he doesn't want to be my friend or anything. uh-oh uh-oh you guys just froze so is that we're me? just gonna swap wi-fi networks we might for okay. a yeah, quick me too yeah no yeah. worries 
Okay. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yep. We're back. back. Yeah. You're back. Excellent. That yes. was Excellent. seamless. <laughs> <laughs> cool. Fabulous. How y'all doing? <laughs> We're good. Yeah. 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 We just had our first week back of um, live students in our studio oh, really? last That's week. Right. Yeah. So that was a really um, lovely reconnection to our community and. Yeah. Just like remembering how fun it is to teach real people oh, when it's been mm, a lot of Zoom. Yeah. <laughs> oh my Isn't goodness. it amazing the energy that you you leave energized rather than pooped and you also don't have to do and talk the whole time. Mm. Yeah. yeah. I mean, we are. Some of our classes we're doing both at once. Yeah. So we've yeah. got, we can only have oh, okay. three people in our studio space and a lot of our students still oh, want wow. to attend online for uh-huh. lots of reasons. So those ones are a little bit more of that brain drain uh, feeling when we've got like the little webcam in the middle and then the real people around and also getting used to teaching in a mask because oh, that is what mask. we need to do at the moment. Yeah. Right. Okay. Wow. Yeah. And so what's that like? Talk, I don't, yeah, talk to us about that. Um, a big reminder to myself to take breaks and to breathe through my nose because I yeah. find it can really easily just end up breathing through your mouth a lot in the mask. And we're kind of lucky, like our space is pretty small. Like mm-hmm. it would be a real challenge if you were teaching outside or in a really big noisy room. Mm-hmm. How have you found it, Ryan? Yeah, not too bad. Just have to remember to project as well. And hopefully you don't come across sounding too muffled. <laughs> yeah. And I, yeah. And, and I do tend to sort of demonstrate a bit anyway. So yeah. Hopefully things are going pretty well. Yeah, I would actually say it hasn't been as much of a hindrance as I was thinking it was going to be. So slightly better than expected. Yeah. And and so how many people do you normally fit into your space? Like, are we down to, what, a third, a quarter? About that, yeah. yeah. For our mat classes, we used to allow space for 12 yoga mats, which would be unusual that we'd have that many people in a class. Like, that would feel full. And then for our aerial yoga classes, we had eight hammocks. And so now we're down to three hammocks for aerial, which actually feels lovely in the room. Like it's so breezy and everyone has so much space. Yeah. Yeah, The the reduced numbers are really nice. And they give you an intimacy that that you might not have had otherwise, especially when you're reconnecting with your delicious people that are coming. Absolutely, yeah, yeah. yeah. It's not so great financially long term, no. but it's a nice ease in. Yeah, <laughs> oh yeah. my goodness. No, and so was this, was this something that you were looking forward to? I was actually a little bit anxious. Like the first time we came out of lockdown, we were only open for three weeks. So that was like, we were just finding our groove with it. And then we had to close again and, there's that extra sense of responsibility to keep everyone safe and mm-hmm. all of the hygiene protocols and cleanliness protocols mm-hmm. and also navigating that with people who aren't quite following them or mm-hmm. aren't getting the message to bring their own mat. I kind of had concerns that people wouldn't want to wear a mask in class and that would be a negotiation that I'd have to deal with. But it actually, I haven't had to have any of those kind of challenging <laughs> negotiations. Everyone's been really great about remembering everything they need to bring I was also worried about last minute cancels because when there's only three people and Mm. someone cancels last minute, like that has a really big impact, but everyone's been super mindful about that as well. So I'm really grateful that our community has been so uh, community spirited Mm. and so 
just happy to be back and whatever form that takes, I think people are just rolling with it. Yeah, wow. Oh, my goodness. I think as far as Australia goes, Victoria has very much been the the focus of anything kind of COVID related. Mm. And I know for me, speaking with, you know, mainly with clients who are down there, the kinds of things that I've been seeing over the last few months, you know, were quite challenging. Folks were really suffering with such restrictions on their movements and changes to their routine and noticing how those things were beginning to truly impact kind of their mental, you know, mental and emotional well-being. And so I wonder for y'all, given that you, what it would have started back in March with like with everybody or April, whatever it was, and then you had that little bit of a break and then you've had this really long moment. What has this done to your yoga practice? Like how has your practice changed if it's changed at all how have you how are you relating to it differently i mean to be honest i feel like mine dropped off a little bit but we did we did manage to sort of rescue it again in the in the last few weeks and we've definitely been going for a lot more walks Mm. Um, you know, because we did have the, the two hours we're allowed out of the house. And um, <laughs> so it, it was really, really great to actually get out of the house. And we're also very lucky that we do have a yoga studio in our backyard. So <laughs> we've got that space. We can just go and, you know, just even take a few moments just to chill out and enjoy it, I think. That's yeah, been great. I've had um, patches where I would practice for two hours a day and that mm-hmm. has been something I hadn't had time to do mm-hmm. since I was doing teacher training, basically. Mm-hmm. But then I'd have other weeks because we've had a few other projects that we've been working on and mm-hmm. teaching online as well. And those would be the weeks that I'd notice I wouldn't be in such a great state of mind if I'm just spending too much time at my computer doing work Mm. stuff and then doing teaching like I really noticed the difference (laughs) and for me I start forgetting appointments and writing things on the wrong day and just making more chaos in my own life that's my like you need to meditate more reminder (laughs) It's good to know. So that happened a few times. <laughs> I'm so interested in the project. I listened to your three-year anniversary, which was just delightful with all those questions. And I and you said we've had all these projects. I was like, ooh, what projects have they had? I, I felt like, what have you been doing while you've been kind of teaching online and, and not teaching live that oh. has made you busier than ever? Well, our local council, Darabin, um, offered some business resiliency grants. And so we applied for one for our home studio, Garden of Yoga, to create an online library and membership and a couple of other things for Ran to upgrade on the website. And then there was a collective business resiliency grant. And so we're like, oh, we've actually been pretty lucky in terms of taking our business online because we did the podcast. So Mm. we already had all of the equipment that we needed. Mm. Ron's a web developer. So if we need to change something on the website, he can just do that really quickly and easily. But we were thinking about the other local businesses that maybe hadn't had to be online before or we're just feeling a bit lost and a bit alone and really isolated. So we sat down with our friend, Kelly Stubbs, who does all of our um, graphic design, Mm -hmm. just to kind of brainstorm like how we could use our skills to help other local businesses and to help people feel more connected, even when we're in our little isolated 
homes. Mm-hmm. So that was the idea behind the project. It's called Thrive Northside. And one aspect of it was like sharing local business stories. So talking to the people behind each of the businesses and we wanted to highlight sustainable businesses and creative businesses and like we live in a pretty diverse area which is awesome so we Mm. wanted to like celebrate that diversity in the people that we spoke to as well to kind of keep that community vibe going even when everything is shut and everything is closed and then we're also sharing like resources for small businesses so one of the things I created was a like guide to applying for grants because when we went that we're just like oh my goodness there's all these questions like I don't know how to navigate this so I spoke to a um, friend of mine and someone who's contributed a few articles who actually does this process all the time with creative artists and different businesses just to like ask all of those questions that do come up when you're writing a grant application and Mm -hmm. there's other stuff in there about social media and about sustainability we just wanted to make some resources that like local businesses could access when you're just feeling a bit lost and a bit alone and just like what can I do just so you know that there's other people going through the same thing and maybe have a few like to open up a few new ideas Fantastic. That's what a beautiful thing to do. And, Isn't and it? was there good uptake on it? Like, did was there yeah. embracing on the north side? Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, yeah. No, awesome. um, we've, we've sort of, everywhere we've shared it, people have sort of said that it's a great idea and they're really thrilled that we're doing it. And um, oh, just today, just earlier today, we actually uh, did a photo shoot for some uh, local local rags so (laughs) that was a pretty interesting new experience so and it's been pretty interesting as well because to find these other businesses and to try and like reach out beyond the people that I know personally I joined all of these local Facebook groups and there's quite a few for this area so I actually was feeling more connected to our community in isolation because I'd made this real reach out effort online and yeah, mm. we've made some really amazing discoveries. Yeah. Like, can I tell you about one of the businesses? Yeah, Please. why not? Yeah. So it's not a yoga one. It's called Mycelium Made. And Amanda uses fungi in collaboration to break down rubbish. Like she's working with cigarette butts at the moment mm-hmm. to either make insulation or like beautiful fashion items as well or shoe soles. And so... She's taking rubbish to her lab and like growing creations out of it with fungi. Wow. Awesome. Yeah, I, it's, it's, it's incredible. A, it's interesting how this um, this moment and which has been almost a year has k- kind of opened us up and transformed so much just in terms of our awareness of what's going on, like those kinds of businesses, just understanding that, oh my goodness, this exists. There's people out here doing this sort of stuff. And also even just to kind of bring it back to yoga a little bit, um, we've talked to a lot of people about their yoga and how it has supported them through this time. And a lot of what we're hearing from people are um, stories about how their yoga has shifted in terms of their um, their being able them being able to embrace kind of the bigger ideas around yoga. And what I'm hearing from y'all is community mm-hmm. has just been you know, it's just been a massive thing, not just in your, in terms of what you guys are doing to engage with your community, but it's, it seems like your understanding of your community has grown as well. 
Yeah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah and we, we definitely, um, we also just met recently with a photographer who's doing his own project and wanted to have us involved with that, so, wow. yeah. Yeah, it's called Pandemic Portraits. All right. Oh. <laughs> He's, like, visiting people awesome. and, like, hearing about how their lives have changed. Mm. And wow. He just started that because his main gig was kind of making documentary films and, you know, commercial video and yeah. when all of that had to close he just wanted to use his creative talents like in the community wow what a great idea that's yeah. terrific gee well i mean i'd like to most of our community well i don't actually know if how many folks in our community listen to your podcast or know much about you but i certainly would love to hear a little bit from y'all about um about your kind of your yoga stories I'm sure you probably shared them many times. Good <laughs> story. Would but you like really to go first? just where it came from? Where you know where you got it? Where you got started with it? Absolutely. Oh yeah, I can start. So I guess my first experience with yoga was when I was living in Wellington around the year 2000, just before the year 2000, and there was a sort of community center around the corner from our house where uh, a man named Bill. To this day, I have not found out his last name but uh, <laughs> Bill, Bill the Ashtanga teacher and uh, uh -huh. so my first class was an Ashtanga class and I think at the time I uh, was not super fit or flexible so I collapsed in a heap near the end of the class but I felt really good after that so I, I went back for a while until uh, he suddenly stopped um, teaching at that particular place so uh, my yoga practice died for a few years until I met Joe um, a few years later and uh, uh, we got married and my yoga practice deepened from there. But I guess really what really kicked it off was around five years ago, I was diagnosed with stomach cancer mm. and uh, my stomach cancer, oh, sorry, my stomach was removed. And during that time, I'd, I had a um, a terminal misdiagnosis so for a couple of weeks there I was pretty much under the impression I was going to die so during that that whole time my yoga and meditation practice became just super super important to me and uh, fortunately after that everything went okay and gradually got better and stronger again through yoga and these other practices I've been doing and uh, I decided I wanted to teach so I did a yoga teacher training and that's pretty much how my my yoga world traveled from there. Wow. That is just loaded with stuff I want to ask you about for, <laughs> for very particular reasons but anyway yeah. do you want to tell yours Joe? Yeah so I was lucky enough when I was really young like maybe four or something my mum took me to a beautiful creative art class at a studio in Melbourne called Mangala Studios and it was um, sumi painting Japanese and Chinese inkbrush painting and my teacher was also a yoga teacher and meditation teacher Richard Lidicott and I like loved art I did that class pretty much till I finished high school and then I went to study visual art at um, TAFE and then at uni and kind of during that time, my relationship with art kind of shifted a bit and it just went from being something I loved and something that was kind of easy to a whole lot more pressure and a whole lot more expectation and kind of getting to know the realities of life in the art world, which is a lot more than just making things. There's a lot of grant writing and proposals and 
I actually just went back to yoga just because I wanted to feel good again and kind of get back to that creative flow. And so that's when I really started going to yoga classes for the first time, like when I was at art school. And then I took some time off to travel and I was kind of thinking to myself like, oh, maybe yoga would be like a really nice fulfilling day job that I could do for a few hours a week and then I could do my art and I'm not sure really when it happened but I just had this realization maybe it was when I was in my yoga teacher training that my life would actually be a lot happier if yoga was what I did as my vocation and art was what I did for fun and it could just go back to being something fun and creative rather than a source of pressure and that's kind of where I've gone from here. So we used to have uh, a little tiny studio at the back of our house, uh, which was a garage with room for three people. I always knew that I wanted to have my own space because I kind of like to do my own thing. And I liked the idea of creating a space mm. and we uh, renovated, is it coming up to three years ago? Something like that. Yeah, yeah, something like that to a much bigger space that's like the eight to 12 people still in our back garden. Mm -hmm. And along the way, I also discovered aerial yoga, which I just really enjoyed the feeling of like hanging in the fabric and being supported. And I felt like it opened up a lot of different movement possibilities, like there's the circusy type moves and the hanging upside down, but also a lot of supportive practices where you can hold onto the fabric for stability. I teach Pilates as well, and I could kind of feel how the fabric could be a little bit similar to the Pilates equipment, but because it's so fluid and so floating, it's kind of different to springs and handles. It's a different experience. Wow. I have a friend who was into um, aerial yoga and I thought, oh no, that's not for me. And I found it the most nurturing experience. It was like being in a cocoon and also like being in a womb. Yeah, yeah. Sense of, I love it because I've been a bit hypermobile and I, that the containment of it and the ability to press out against it, I found really stabilizing and really very, very incredible for the nervous system. Really Is calm. your friend Ellie Black? Yes. Yeah, I know her too. We're good friends. <laughs> there we go. Well, she's she's such she's turning into such a good teacher. Did you teach her? Um, we did our teacher trainings at different times. Yeah. And we've actually had a few online practice sessions together with her in wow. Byron Bay and me yeah. in Melbourne. Yeah. Nice. Well, I've just had gorgeous sessions with her. It was such a such a treat. So I can hear what you're saying because you first hear aerial yoga and you think, oh no, that's just for crazy people. Mm. swinging around yeah well you but, have to be really strong or really flexible to yeah. even get started mm -hmm. yeah, it's, no, the it's, yeah, it's the opposite yeah yeah it's so supportive and and yeah and say like I teach people who maybe have bad knees which means they can't get down on the floor like with the mm. hammock you can bring the floor up yeah so it's got elements yeah. of chair yoga as well Wow. Oh, which gets I've, into, oh, I'm, I'm getting all backed up with questions. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, go ahead. Well, can I go back to, because you were talking about having, um, getting, having cancer and, mm -hmm. and also having the near death diagnosis and, mm. and that really, and then that your practices helped. Because I have also, I have cancer right now. Mm -hmm. I, I got, I was given the near death diagnosis just for a, a, like a week in, and then it was all an inflammatory thing, then it, now it's real cancer and I'm going to get it cut out and that's going to all be really good, I'm hoping. Don't you like how I just cut to the chase? <laughs> I think when you explain that stuff to lots of people, you're just like, yep, this is what's happening. Yep. Well, you do have to get to the end because otherwise they get really worried. So yeah. it's all in hand and prognosis is good. But gee whiz, it's been a journey. 
mm. at like the most incredible, a little bit physical with pain, but mainly mental with just fear and and how undisciplined the mind is. So I'm I'm really interested in what did you do to manage and and how how did that get you through? Like what did you said? Oh, just some yoga and other practices. And I'm like, wait a second, <laughs> <laughs> back up. <laughs> well, yeah, I guess um there was a lot of um yoga just just doing yoga practice there was, there was a lot of time uh spent in shavasana just crying um yeah. okay. you know uh that kind of thing and i'm pretty grateful for the the teacher that let me come to a studio for free while i was going through that whole time uh there was also um i was seeing a psychologist at the time so really talking about it um with him really helped as well um and just you know just doing the practice and maybe taking your mind off it for a bit. Mm. There are also, you know, I'd, I'd, I'd read in books about people doing practices of, of meditating upon their own death and, mm. and sort of trying to get through that. I can't really say I got that far. <laughs> um, you know, th there is a point where it does get pretty scary. So, um, mm. but just, you know, doing all this, reading a lot, um, just sort of learning as much as I can and really, you know, because I didn't have to really work during that time, I did have a lot of time to think about it. So, yeah, I hope that answers your question. Yeah, no, it does. It, it It's turned my practice, interestingly, um, much more about resting and about mm. um, breathing. I, mm -hmm. I definitely need to do some breathing, but lots and lots of resting. Not because I'm necessarily tired, but my mind is tired, you know, mm. from excursioning into all the possibilities so mm -hmm. it's i mean it's so wonderful that you kind of came through it and it it also that so that brings me on sorry shara i'm hugging no, no, but you're good. because you're then good. you guys said that you've done the accessibility training and we we had um jivana you had him on the podcast on yours and we yeah. had him on our podcast but how did you find the training and how did that change how you think about yoga Oh, we loved it. And we loved your um, lecture as well in the training. So oh, we got were you there just this time? Just yeah, this time, yeah. yeah. Oh, I'm so happy. I didn't realize that I because it was, you couldn't see anyone. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's lovely. It really gave us a positive focus during lockdown to be able mm -hmm. to connect to this mm. amazing global community of people, like sharing what they love and what they're really passionate about. And it's also what we're really passionate about as well. So that was... Um, a real like it just changed the energy of those mm. few weeks kind of having yeah. like learning and sharing and seeing all these global possibilities when we're in this really isolated space um, we had actually also done another chair yoga training before the accessible yoga one with Claire Canine who we spoke to her on our podcast and then she delivered the training at our studio so we got to go which is one of those nice oh, things when you host trainings at your studio and um, I guess I should let you speak about how particularly useful chair yoga is for people who've had a total gastrectomy. Yeah. So, I mean, obviously after a total gastrectomy, you don't want to be moving around too much. Um, you know, I guess it's a lot like um, having a cesarean. Um, uh, well, in some aspects, I guess. they Just you know, closer they, to your diaphragm. Yeah. 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 And um, so... I, I wasn't really doing chair yoga at, at the time during my mm. diagnosis, but um, I, d I do really feel that it 
could be quite beneficial for people who've been through stomach cancer. And... Yeah, I've taught a beautiful, it was a friend, it was one of my regular students' mothers. And one of the things when you've had your stomach removed, um, a lot of people can't get horizontal because they get a lot mm. of bad reflux. Mm. And chair yoga is perfect for that because you're upright mm. the whole time and you can have more or less support, you know, depending on which options you take. And for a lot of people as well, just energy levels is something that's really low like some people can't physically eat enough food to have a lot of extra energy for their day so those supportive practices where it can be a moment by moment kind of settling back to rest and then rejoining it without feeling like you know you're lying down in a vinyasa class that feels really obvious and like you've lost the flow of the practice but those kind of practices where you can regulate the level of in physical intensity you're bringing in are really great mm. so that's something that um i am always looking for new strategies with and new ways to teach so that i'm not necessarily telling people what to do and which option i think they should take but giving them the tools and the functional cues so that they can feel for themselves and really guide their own practice and have that autonomy um, you probably experienced this as well, Maria, but anytime you've had a lot of medical intervention, there's a lot of people telling you what mm. you can and what you can't do and a lot of putting your health and your trust and your recovery in other people's hands where you're a passive participant. That's so yeah. to be able to like share practices that give people back that autonomy and just a way that they can do something good for themselves, whether it's just helping them feel more relaxed in that moment or maybe taking their mind off a pain or even reducing that pain with the way that you're working with the nervous system is just so powerful and so amazing. And accessible mm. yoga training was a really great way to really build on my knowledge with all of those aspects. Yeah, I, I loved that it was so trauma informed. So it, in, in mm. you know, that is the essence of trauma informed is to mm. empower, just like you just said. Mm. And then I don't know if it surprised you, but I was in, I took it in New York last October when they had the conference and the training. I was amazed at, at how social justice was a centerpiece of that training. Mm. Did that surprise you? Well, we already knew Jivana, oh, so, okay. so yeah. we actually, no that was something we were really looking forward to. Yeah. Mm. yeah. yeah. And I, I think you guys have embraced that. Is Have you found that that's something that really interests you through the podcast? It feels like you've had a lot of guests on who have. The podcast has been an amazing way to connect to people who are really <laughs> at the forefront of yeah. the different aspects of social justice. And yeah. someone like, say, Michelle Cassandra Johnson, who's written a really amazing book. We, I we spoke with her. I would never oh, have a reason to, like, reach out yeah. to her without the podcast other than just yeah. I think you're amazing yeah. but it's kind of given us this forum when we can actually have conversations with people like that and ask the questions that might have come up for us and learn from them and hopefully share those conversations so that other people can also benefit and so it is more of a conversation mm. yes we've spoken to folks too and we've found exactly the same thing it's been really brilliant it's this wonderful opportunity to get get all these differing perspectives to learn things. Man, have we had some learning experiences. Mm. Um, and yeah, and to begin to form our own perspectives about these things too. And I did wonder about that. How are y'all feeling about, I mean, so much has happened in this year. 
mm. and in so many different spheres. And I wondered, given that you that you are embracing this understanding and engagement around social um, justice, I wondered, um, you know, how what how you're feeling about what's happening in that world at the moment. Hmm, that's quite a big question. I it guess. is. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I think if anything, you know, this uh, this pandemic for one thing is just really sort of sort of taken away a lot of the things we might have ignored in the past about I guess these separations that are between everyone and uh, maybe some of these inequalities uh, um, are really becoming apparent and I think there does feel like there's a lot more willingness amongst some people at least to actually you know, solve or attempt to solve these problems at least. And I think that can only be a good thing. And I think that was, for me, a, a wonderful aspect of, of Jivana's training. It was just, it was amazing seeing, I think, were there something like 150 people of, of completely um, diverse backgrounds. And um, it was just incredible sort of seeing that being part of um, that that group of people. So... Yeah, for me, I, I feel like um, it's made me feel hopeful for the future, even if on in some ways things don't look that hopeful. But I don't know. Um, what do you think, Joe? I think um, because our lives have been so much more online mm. this year than any time, we have been able to have direct communication with a lot of people in the communities who are really at the heart of a lot of these issues and to be able to hear directly from the people themselves as opposed to just something on the news. There's mm. been a few small moments in Melbourne, like there was one instance where uh, it was a housing commission block of flats and just with lockdown at those times, people in some suburbs could go to the pub or go to a cafe and do that. People in other suburbs were not meant to leave their house except for the four reasons of exercise, food or helping someone or going to work. And then in these particular flats, they didn't get any warning. Police rolled in. They had to stay in their apartments and not leave for any reason. There were all of these stories about whether food was even getting to people, whether people were getting their medications. It was pretty horrific and would be terrifying because a lot of the people in those apartments were from refugee backgrounds, so mm -hmm. had all of that past trauma. And I think it was the first time that really something like that had happened and on Facebook and on social media, we were able to hear directly from people in those apartments about how things were going. There's always people you can email and people you can call when an issue like that happens. But I feel like the response from the rest of the Melbourne, Melbourne really was able to change things pretty quickly. Like they were still on lockdown, but food was coming in, communication mm -hmm. was coming back and forth. And that was just a little microcosm example of how being connected to people in a more direct way, like we were able to make a bit of change for those people in those apartments and hopefully get a better outcome for them. Another issue that's current at the moment is there are these beautiful Djaburong birthing trees, like some of them are 800 years old and they've been threatened many times for a freeway. It's mm. going to save three minutes off a drive and there's been the Djaburong embassy where um, Indigenous people and other people have been camped there in protection and 
getting direct communication from the scene, seeing when police arrive, um, being able to contribute financially. It's currently in this limbo state where the Supreme Court halted construction, but that's happened a few times. And so hopefully they'll actually get a properly good outcome and not have these sacred trees and this sacred cultural heritage destroyed. Mm. But you can talk directly to the people who are involved and find out ways to help. And I think that more than ever before, if you want to tune in and learn more about these issues, like you can directly from the people involved. And I think that that's pretty powerful because I think a lot of the challenge with social justice issues is you feel really removed. You want to do something you don't know what to do. It's overwhelming and people just kind of clock out. Mm -hmm. So I think that more and more now there is this way of communicating with the communities you are directly involved and be more involved yourself without leaving your lounge room. Like you can still make change, you can still donate money, you can still call and email members of parliament or you could go on site and demonstrate as well if you're, you know that's something that's possible for you. So that's kind of a long answer. <laughs> but just a couple of things that have happened during this pandemic where I've really felt social media be used in a different way to how I've seen it used in the past. And maybe it's just because I'm more tuned in. Mm. It's lovely to hear a story where it was it facilitated connection rather yeah. than separation. I think I think it can be used really badly, but it's also when it creates action or connection it's such a useful amazing tool so mm. yeah. i think we've all been pretty grateful for social media this year in particular it's been our lifeline really mm. although that said um i've definitely had times where we've needed to like set limits about Absolutely. how much time we spend <laughs> online true. and how much of it is helpful and how much of it just mean you're not going to sleep that night because yeah. you're too wired from everything that's going on in the world. Yeah. Even be beyond the news, the, all the trainings that are available, it's mm -hmm. just overwhelming. It's like mm. this conference and that conference. And mm. it's like, I couldn't watch all those videos to, uh, until I was 93. So <laughs> just like, you know, you have to have that discernment, I think mm. a little bit. Yeah. Absolutely. Have you taken advantage of any of that and had the opportunity to learn with any teachers that you'd wanted to previously, but hadn't necessarily had such easy access to? Uh, yeah, we did the accessible yoga training and that yeah. was really great. And I've also been doing Jill Miller's online classes. Oh, yeah. So I've had her balls and I've had her book for ages. <laughs> so it was really, and that was a really great nervous system down regulation tool to do some serious self-massage. Mm, yeah, that's good. You know, one thing I was just, we were talking a bit about the whole social justice thing and I was thinking about how, this it's it's felt like this year and maybe it's just my maybe this is just my opinion but in the in the yoga world with with so much feeling like it was coming to a head around mm. social justice it's felt like it's been a bit of a um an identity crisis for for the yoga world or the health and wellness world and it's felt like so many folks and i'm so grateful for people like michelle cassandra johnson and so many others so many folks have really been have really had to take a look at what yoga is really is and what it's about and and what it's been for them because there's a there's a whole i mean there's clearly a whole group of folks who have always seen yoga as an escape as a way of kind of stepping out of you know the challenges of our modern world 
and we've discovered or we've discovered or you know perhaps other f folks have been brought brought forward that there's a whole nother group of folks like Jeevana and others who see yoga as this tool for helping us to you know achieve you know to, to for lack of a better term kind of fix the <laughs> fix the world and I wonder I wonder from from your point of view how has this experience of this year and the things that have been happening and perhaps you know as people who have been involved in this for some time how has this changed if it has at all what you believe yoga is about and what it's for in terms of its relevance to the way that we live our lives sorry mm. long spell <laughs> yeah no I, I can go first if yeah, you yeah. want so i think it can be a little bit of both. I think to make good decisions in the way that you move through the world and to have the energy to do the things that you want to do in the world, especially if that involves making change because mm. that's big, it is really powerful to have these practices that allow you to restore. Mm. And I think when you're on your mat doing your practice, that can be a time where you do set the weight of the world off your shoulders for a little bit and to just yeah. be present in your practice. And then when you step back off the mat, you've got that extra energy and clarity to like make change and to take positive action and to like be your best self mm -hmm. in the world. Because I think if you're overwhelmed and you're tired and you're rattled or you're angry or you're sad, like, all of those human emotions are part of who we are and sometimes just a real and necessary response to what's happening in the world, but not also not always the best place to make decisions from. Mm. So I think sometimes our yoga practice can give us that respite, that time to take a breath and to slow down, and then we can choose how we want to respond to what's happening in the world rather than being swept up in it or being knocked over by it or just being paralysed by it. Mm. I don't think I can uh, add much to that. <laughs> <laughs> I wonder, um, so one of the things that's happened, and uh, I don't mean to sort of labor this, but I'm quite interested. One of the things that certainly happened as part of this whole, um, this this spark of, of action and of awareness around social justice is as a person of color, I've had all kinds of people come to talk to me and want to understand my story and want to understand, you know, more about what it means to be a person of color, which has been, um, in some ways, it's been it's been a learning experience for me. Um, it's also been this experience of kind of growth and and further self inquiry around my responsibility as a person of color to people of color to communities of color. And Ron, you've been listed, you've been put on the list of 20, 20 teachers or yoga teachers of color or something like that to, um, to watch. And so I wonder like, what has being added to that list meant? What is, how has that felt for you? Is it, is it a, is it a weight? Is it a, is it something, <laughs> is it something that's exciting for you? I mean, um, it was a surprise. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely. Definitely. Um, I'm, I'm pretty um, grateful for that. Um, I guess, you know, um, I, d I don't know. I don't know if I feel of it as a weight at all. But mm. um, I was I was very honoured. And um, but you know, obviously, I am a person of colour, and um, I guess I see the world somewhat through that lens. Mm. And um, I, I do feel it's very important that our voices be heard out there. So, you know, 
that's why part of the podcast we've always tried to highlight people of color and um, you know make their voices heard and not just people with um, you know high profiles either I think it's very important to that everyone have have a voice so um, uh, for me it was just very much a privilege being being on that list and there's some amazing teachers on there who yeah yeah who, um, I was really honored and astounded to be on the same list as did you see Ryan's video no I didn't what video was it? Oh, we we can send you a link if we want. It's it's very yes, sorry. It's pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> we dramatized we, his response. Yeah, we dramatized how how it went to my head. <laughs> oh right. <laughs> but yeah. Oh. Well, we've enjoyed as a as a duo, you know, mm. who was doing it before, not before um, racism was an issue because it's been an issue for a very long time, but. I think before it kind of clocked on in this really big way where we yeah. were in COVID and could kind of, and so it's been a, it's been such an interesting thing to explore uh, together mm. and um, I don't know, have these conversations where we could really kind of open up about it and tease apart the difficult things. Mm. And it felt a lot for us. I think what Shara was talking about also was like, you were talking about being your best self. The yoga really has given us the tools not to kind of shut down or get afraid when it gets difficult, but also not to just bust through it or spiritually bypass. It was so interesting to use it, to feel in your body what is happening to me when I'm having this conversation and, and let it surface. So I don't know if you guys have had that experience too. I mean, you're, you're a couple, I'm assuming you live together. I don't, maybe I, maybe yeah, I've, yeah, been, yeah. <laughs> I've made a move. Yeah. You got married. So yeah. but I don't know, even within a relationship, whether, whether that brings up conversations where all this stuff brings up conversations or not, or whether that was, you know, done and dusted or doesn't even come up. I mean, Ryan's really good at keeping me up to date and informed with <laughs> all, um, yeah, like I, I think we would probably talk about like issues of race almost every day because right. wow. there's always something going on mm. in the yeah. world where it comes up and Ryan's opened up my eyes to lots of subtle incidences which mm. just would have breezed past me as a white woman that he's kind of pointed out and then it's really obvious. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Mm. Was that answering your question? Yeah. <laughs> well, it was kind of, it was kind of an awkward, weird question anyway, but it, but yeah. it was... It, I just think it's so interesting when you do choose to, to lean into difficult issues. Mm. Um, and because it is, a, you, can, you can be kind of politically out there, but then I think it's also, you have to be politically in there. Mm -hmm. And I, I think if they don't intersect, and I, that was, I think, why the conversation with Michelle Cassandra Johnson is so amazing because she's so, um, so able to move out in the world as a social justice activist, but also as someone who deeply feels and deeply connects and deeply holds space. So that was mm. impressive. Yeah. Yeah. And I guess, you know, we, we hear a lot that yoga is so much about learning to sit with the discomfort. And mm. um, this is obviously something that is uncomfortable. So I, I think it's you know, a really important part of of yoga that this is something that we learn to sit with we learn to deal with and i guess grow as human beings from the the whole experience yeah and it has been an amazing privilege of doing the podcast as well because rather than just having these questions like we actually have an outlet where we can ask people who this is their life's work and their passion and to start to like unravel some of this stuff and learn from it and where to from here 
especially yeah. like I think that was a beautiful thing about uh, Michelle Cassandra Johnson's mm. book like it was creative as mm. well and it was introspective and so it isn't just about marching in demonstrations it's also about that Svadhyaya and that looking inwards mm-hmm. yeah I go ahead no no you go. <laughs> I'm about to swing us though so if you go oh, okay <laughs> well I just wondered I, on the subject of the podcast whether whether we've had some conversations that have like completely changed both of us and I wondered if there have been some memorable ones where you just were like and felt like your life was changed and if there were any stories to tell from that that's kind of a on the spot sort of question yeah, it is on the spot but it, i mean either your life was changed but even like something internal um um one conversation that we had with um dr gail parker where we we're talking about her beautiful book about um Oh, Rest-based trauma? Or yeah. Rest-based trauma? Yeah. 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 It's and a great book. explained mm. how each individual incident of race-based trauma that someone might go through from the outside, it might seem like something little, but it keeps happening and questioning within the mind as to like, is this just me or mm. is this actually someone being racist to me? Mm. And like not having adequate time to recover between each of those instances mm. That was a real insight for me because, I mean, as a woman, I might have had the odd kind of sexual harassment kind of interaction that have really shaken me up for a few days, but then I'd be fine for plenty of time, could totally get back to my regular kind of, you know, nervous system response and not work, not walk through the world in a case, like a sense of heightened alertness because that's what I need to do to keep myself safe. And... So reading her book and kind of really getting those insights into that and how powerful yoga can be as a down-regulating, reconnecting, grounding practice. And then in the conversation with her, we were talking about how important it is to hear from people from different backgrounds and people of colour. And she said that it's also really important for you to look at your own whiteness and really Mm -hmm. explore what that means. And... It's got, you know, does the world need more white lady introspection? And, like, you know, I think white women have plenty of airtime to talk about their issues. And I think women do need to talk about their issues, but I think intersectional intersectional feminism is, you know, more important. Mm. And unless it's working for all of us, it's not really working for any of us. Mm. But um, hearing that from Gail, it was kind of like, oh, oh, maybe it's not just learning from other people. Like maybe it is like looking within and kind of seeing how my privilege has like shaped the way that I move through the world. And then that got followed up with doing a trauma-informed teacher training with Melo Swan and Joe Buick. And so that was a really um, powerful chance to actually do that inner work. And one of the things that we did, it was like a diagram and you kind of circle all of the places where your circumstances have given you privilege Mm. and all of the places where you know maybe you were more marginalized in that situation and pretty much in all of them I had privilege Mm. and I I've kind of always been someone who like I'm creative I'm pretty confident I can like try new things like because nothing bad will happen to me if it doesn't work out I've had that safety net of a really loving family and you know, relative financial affluence that I can take risks and it's not the same level of risk for me as it might be for someone else who is really putting a lot more on the line. Mm -hmm. And so just that realisation 
has been really um, powerful and interesting. And it's something that I've noticed when we've been reaching out to guests, like often white people from relatively affluent backgrounds are right away. Yep, I'd love to be on your podcast because I think they've always had a good reception. Like when they put themselves out there, people applaud them, people want to hear what's going on in their lives, they're well received. And when we do reach out to someone who might be from a more marginalised background or maybe not had as much media or chances to speak to other people, they're much less likely to say yes Mm. Mm. and much less likely to put their hand up and just knowing that that's probably because exposing themselves like, Mm. you know, opening up their inner self online is a much bigger ask if you have not just had this life experience of always been positively received. Mm. That is so interesting. Yeah, I I think that that's definitely, I mean, just coming from my own point of view about that, there's definitely something to that. I think there's also... There's also a slight, and I'm, I'm, I'm obviously generalizing, I can't speak for all people of color, but there's also a slight concern about trust. And, you know, how, who can I, can I trust this person to, um, or these people to, um, to see me? Mm-hmm. And it's hard. And I love that you've brought up what you've brought up, Joe, because I think, what you're talking about, your experience and your, and that, you know, your listening and then using that listening as a foundation for listening in inside, that's the work. That is the work that I truly believe needs to happen. And I don't necessarily feel like that's the work that's being, that is happening out there. Um, and I'm not, I'm not saying that in a way that criticizes folks, but I'm wanting people to understand that this is what it, this is what the, doing the work actually looks like. It looks like looking inside. It really does. It looks like asking yourself those questions. And even if it hurts, even if it's painful to, 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 um, to possibly consider that you might have some racist, you know, thoughts or some, you may have taken some racist action or, you know, or something that we would consider to be racist when all of us have. And so I, I, and what I'm, what I see too, when I talk to people is that, that um, resistance, that resistance to to do that kind of work, really. And so I really applaud you for that. And I really thank you for sharing that too, because you've given us like a a beautiful example to share with the community about, about that, which can be a difficult subject and very so subtle that it can be hard for folks to get their heads around. Oh, thank you. And I must credit Maylai Swan and Joe Buick for their amazing training because it actually is a lot easier to have that framework and that foundation to look at this stuff and to have the group support as well where you can talk about these things as it comes up. And I would actually recommend trauma-informed training Mm -hmm. for people Mm -hmm. who do want to do this inner work. But, you know, if you're not, like, even if you are a journaling person and you are an introspective person, it's really hard to see your own blind spots that's it and it is a huge blind spot for so many people for everyone in one way shape or form you know it really is even for people of color it is i like the trauma-informed aspect because you're you're taught right away that you're allowed to to need to be safe and that you're allowed to need to to turn it down if it's too much and i don't mean you're bypassing and i don't mean you're white fragile and whatever but 
if you get too afraid or too backed up, you're just going to shut down anyway. So the idea that you're given tools to turn things down or to take some space or to get back safe again means that you then in a really in a really real way can engage in those conversations and, and can kind of self-regulate through those conversations and not be the hysterical white woman, which is, you know, I agree, we've had enough of those kind of thing. <laughs> that platform, we don't, you don't want to take up any more space, but you also want to be present and really sensitive and feel that. And I think that trauma-informed piece really gives people that. What I really like took away from that training as well is like a strengths-based approach. Yeah. So it's not like looking at a situation or a person mm-hmm. and kind of going, oh, here's all the things that you have working against you and here's all the struggles that you have. Like, how can I help you? Because that's centering your own experience above that person's own life experience of their own life. Mm-hmm. But rather like being with them and kind of looking at like, oh, what is working for you? And how can we go more in that direction and build on that and put them in the driver's seat, but also be that supportive container around. Mm-hmm. And so I've been working with um a little girl she's 10 and um, she's on the autism spectrum and she has anxiety and I'd only just done the accessible yoga training but a lot of the tools that it gave me were not so much a prescribed list of things of like oh these are all the things that are good to do for someone on the autism spectrum but like the tools to tune into what's actually working for them and what do they love you know what is going to help of light them up in this practice and how can we tap into that and Mm. build more upon that and I have been working on bringing in a little bit of the breathing and the things that her mum want her to work on want us to work on together but um one thing that's we're we're doing together uh, turns out she's got a sticker making hobby and she's making some stickers. She's got her Instagram feed. So we're going to make some um, emoji stickers that she can use in class. And we do kind of we map out what we're going to do in class. And there's some of the things that she doesn't like so much and some of the things that she does like. And I hope it's going to give us these tools to kind of put her in the driver's seat and be like, okay, we're going to do this breathing practice. And, you know, you can use the sticker to like say whether you liked it or you didn't or mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So. Are there stickers around uh, moods as well? Yeah, that, yeah. That also incorporate our cat. Yes. Yeah. She really loves our cat. So all the stickers are actually our cat's face with different moods, and she's done a really beautiful job of like expressing the emotions. Um, Wow. With our cat Nagano front and centre. He's been such a great resource in that class. He's really helped me out a lot just by being there and being cute. And <laughs> I find um, it's really, she gets overwhelmed really easily. So it's quite good to kind of take a little detour and let's look in the backyard. What's Nagano doing? Oh, he's having a sleep. And um, she doesn't really love the mat based practices, but I've managed to make them all cat themed, and that's really helped as well. <laughs> wow. I find that so interesting just hearing about how you're working with her, in part because I feel like, oh, I could go on. I feel like, w- one, I feel like we all need tools for um, feeling ourselves, for understanding what's happening. I feel like yoga is such an amazing tool for that. I don't necessarily feel like that's how we're using it so much. Um, I'm on a bit of a crusade to shift that. But um, I love to hear that because it just tunes us into the power of just know, just feeling ourselves, just knowing 
you know, how what's happening for us, being able to kind of identify it. And then that's just the foundation of being able to apply the tools that we have, whether that's a, you know, snuggling with the cat or, you know, or being outside or being on your mat or whatever it is, we start to get a real understanding of the power of these practices. And whether you're, whether yoga is, you know, on the mat or where, whether it's off, it's all about the same thing, really. It is actually one of the things that, um, one of the reasons why her mom first got in touch with me, because she goes from fine and even having fun to being completely overwhelmed really, really quickly. Mm. And we want to try and work a few steps along the way so that she can feel for herself when she's starting to head towards overwhelm and like use those resources and be able to like, you know, maybe slow down a little bit or take that mood in another direction before it's just fully um, overwhelmed her. How great would that be? How great a, how great a skill would that be to have, you know? Well, well what, I, what I love, Joe, is that you're also talking about how you're feeling her, mm. you know, as teachers. For the teachers out there, it is about feeling yourself, but that if you're going to teach, you need the capacity to feel yourself, to feel your student. Because in a way, there's this like co-regulation thing going on and you've got to be really present and it's not always explicit. Again, she needs stickers and whatever. But if you can pick up on the vibe and on and kind of attune in that way, and there's no way you can do that without your own practice, I think. So it's a sort of beautiful double story about feeling yourself, which Mm. sounds kind of weird, but... (laughs) (laughs) I think um, during during the cancer times, especially... um, I've actually had that experience of like feeling really sad or just really overwhelmed by what's happening in like the rest of our lives and Mm -hmm. teaching a class and just being present for other people in the class and kind of tuning into their energy and making about breathing and moving like my mood's completely changed by the end Mm. of that session and it's not always a recipe for a good class to go in there feeling really overwhelmed and really wiped out but sometimes they can be the best practices like they can be really transcendent and mm. when you've got to the other end of that which I guess is the co-regulation like you feel like you've regulated yourself mm. along with that shared experience of the group mm. exactly beautiful yeah, yeah. Mm. I was thinking a bit about that. Judith Lasseter says, practice for yourself and teach for your, for your, no, practice for your students and teach for yourself. Mm. And it, it makes me wonder, especially because we have been talking with so many folks about this year and ha- and the challenges of this year. And, you know, and just as we've been asking y'all about how your yoga has changed or how it supported you through this. And I wonder, is there anything that you have practiced this year, you know, that you felt was, um, or that you that you ended up kind of offering in some way as a gift to your students? Um, when the lockdown started in Melbourne, like my yin practice was what really mm. got me through like mm. the hard times. So um, that first week when the studio closed, I was like, I need Thursday yin. And um, we just like live streamed that on our Facebook page through the whole of the pandemic, just to be able to share that practice with people. Because we were doing Zoom classes, but some people were a bit scared about using Zoom. And it is this different level of interaction when you're logging on and there's shared video. And I just felt like there might be times where people would not be emotionally able to even take that on and just to want to have that 
purely their own space and their own experience where it could just be about their time and their energy without the group. And Ryan has been um, sharing a chair yoga practice every week as well. And that was also a free one. Now that lockdown's ended, we've actually turned both those classes back into Zoom classes, like the rest of our um, online offerings, because I think we both got to a place where we actually did want to have that group connection and interaction yeah, again. Yeah, and yeah, it yeah. felt like it was time for a change to go from just sending these words out into cyberspace to um, having that... Um, that connection. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And reciprocity kind of, yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And we also changed all of our online pricing to tiered pricing so people could pay $5 or $10 or 15 or if, you know nothing that week they could just get in touch with us and that would be totally fine so we kind of felt like once we'd addressed that with our pricing um, it wasn't such a need to share a free practice every week we could just make all of our practices more accessible for people yeah isn't that amazing how well sharing tiered pricing works (laughs) you know you think everyone's going to choose the five buck option or whatever it is and they don't people (laughs) people really know exactly where they sit in terms of need and it just was, uh, that, that stunned me how well that works. And it's still working. I've just left that. I thought, well, why, you know, why not? But it, it, it's so amazing how honorable people are or how uh, in tune to what they need. And I'm sure there's a couple who are, you know, richer than they offer. And I'm sure there's probably quite a few more that um, should have probably taken a lesser mm. choice and mm. offer too much. But it's, again, that choice and that accessibility and really making things open and available I think as well, it's kind of a good acknowledgement of, you know, that like we're all in this together, but we're all in different boats. Like we are all of a community, but we are all coming from different places and we do all have different needs and different capacity to give. So I think it's kind of a nice acknowledgement of like that up front. I think so too. Exactly. Exactly. Man. So so just to start to kind of, kind of wrap it up a little i mean i've got a question which may which may end up taking us down a road we'll see what we can do <laughs> i i and i know that you you got you've expressed that you know through your podcast you've learned and you've had this opportunity to bring things out into the world and 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 perhaps change yourself i wondered what what made you decide to start a podcast in the first place and, ah, <laughs> funny story. And, Sorry. Did you, and did you have an intention with it? Was there something you wanted to show or communicate or change? Um, well, I think the impetus for starting it was Ran's yoga teacher training course. Like we were having a lot of yoga conversations <laughs> and I had to put boundaries around the yoga conversations, like not when I'm in bed trying to read my book. I want to talk about philosophy or anatomy then. <laughs> and... Uh, Why not? But I do want to talk about philosophy and anatomy sometimes. Know, like, <laughs> this is like what it would be to be married to you, Maria. Like every time we're together, we're like, ah, exactly. We're, we're the same, and we have to keep boundaries kind of on it and make these special things because it's it's so fertile and wonderful. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my goodness, anyway, but on. as a couple, that might be kind of intense. Yeah. 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 Especially <laughs> when we like work from home as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Can't yeah. escape. Yeah, and so like. That was quite an in-depth course that Ran had done. And when it had finished, he kind of had this time. And he does most of the podcast work. Like I do, I guess I do a bit more research on each guest and maybe a bit more of the talking during the conversation. But he built the website. He originally did all of the editing and all of the production. And so... um, It was your idea, Hmm. but we both really loved it. Yeah, yeah. And I'd been a big 
fan of podcasts for a while and I always wanted to start one and I wasn't sure what to start it about until I did the yoga teacher training like Joe said we had time so and we we also knew a bunch of people we wanted to talk to so we just thought yeah why not and yeah And actually, um, a surprise that came out of it, like I was not expecting the interview process to be such a meditative experience Mm. because you've got to be really present with it and Mm. it is really fascinating. Like it's not hard to stay present because people are sharing about what they're most passionate about, which Mm. is also something that we're really interested in. And so you get to have these really deep conversations, usually with someone that you haven't met before or if it is a friend, someone that you haven't necessarily had that level of interaction with because you're just chatting about your lives and your pets and eating food and whatever. So it's been um, a very enriching experience. Mm. And often once you've had a conversation like that with someone, like you feel like you're friends. So we feel mm. like we're friends with lots of our podcast guests. Yeah. yeah. Us too. I've, I've been really surprised by that. And, and what I've also been surprised with is the power of conversations yes. to reach out across and create understanding and, yeah. and affection and love. And, and um, yeah, it's been, it's been beautiful. Isn't mm, it? Yeah. yeah. I agree with that. I am, I am so much a believer that conversation will actually change the world. Mm-hmm. It will, our willingness to show up and to speak from the heart in a, in an environment that could be a little bit scary sometimes um, to have our, the, our beliefs and the things we think we know challenged, that's all, you know, and, and to provide that as an example to the world around us. Uh, I think it's a brave thing to do. And I love that there are voices like yours in the yoga world talking about all of this stuff because it does give us an opportunity to, to know ourselves and to know what our yoga is about, you know? Oh, thank you. I, yeah, thank you so much. <laughs> I, what I love about yours is that you do have real conversations. Yeah. I know that sounds, you know, I, I, no, I get that feeling. And it's something yeah. that we've also tried to do is not come in with a whole, you know, overscripted menu and not, and not have them monologue about, you know, it's like an ad, an ad kind of mm-hmm. along. But it's when it's those little chinks where you're like, ooh, what about that? Yeah. And it just gets so Dig in there a little. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that is a skill that I actually would really like to hone more to mm. be able to, like if someone had, like you can tell that they've um, they've said that monologue many times before, especially people who do do a lot of big events and yeah. big presentations. The art of interrupting someone without being rude. Mm-hmm. Because I listen to, I have listened to other podcasts, and I feel like some other people are a little bit too interrupty, and I find that jarring <laughs> as a listener. But it, it must be like an absolute skill to be able to just uh, slide in and like bring that person back to being present. Like mm-hmm. if they have gone into the into the script, which mm-hmm. I think as yoga teachers, um, we probably all do sometimes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we we have had. Pre- plenty of conversations where we possibly could have yeah no those are the learning ones those are like, <laughs> i need to get better at this <laughs> yeah no we have too and you know what the feeling is is a craving like i didn't get to know that person mm. like i i missed that i missed our opportunity to um, really really connect mm. and so it's a it's not that I don't know. It's a sort of frustration because it's like, hang on, there was more. We, you know, we needed to. <laughs> yeah, to well, there's questions that you wanted to ask, and then they've yeah. like moved on to something else, or so like a real winding yeah. it back to kind of go yeah. back to that thing that you said ten minutes ago. Well, <laughs> yeah, exactly. If you've got a good editor, you can do that. <laughs> <Which> apparently, <laughs> you do. Exactly. Mm. 
Yeah. Well, yeah. well, this has been one of those times when it's felt exactly. just delightful. It oh, for us too. Thank yeah, you so yeah. much. You. So great to talk to you both. It's been brilliant. And I do look forward to getting the opportunity to speak with you both again sometime yes. soon. Yes, very soon. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, thanks for all that you do in your community and in your yeah. smaller community and in, and in the bigger community and for taking the time to hang out with us today and, and talk to us about all of that. And congratulations oh, on three years. Oh, yeah, thank three you. Years of it's amazing. Amazing. Yeah. It is. Oh, I just don't know when to quit, I think. <laughs> We're just too good at giving ourselves projects. <laughs> it's all good. Keep going. Especially good. projects that don't actually make money. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's some wealth in some other way, I'm sure, because yeah, uh, yeah. you seem yeah. abundant and, yeah, yeah. very oh, strong. Thank you. Thank you so mm. much for yeah. having us. And, yeah, no, it's been Pleasure. great. It's so nice as well to kind of be on a podcast and to not be in the driver's seat. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, oh, I wonder what they're going to ask us next. <laughs> Full of surprises. Well, Shara asked the best questions I've ever heard. I was like, oh, my gosh. You know. <laughs> yeah. I'm just super yeah. curious. So, And thank super you all for curious. just being so open and answering them too, you know. We appreciate cool. it. Oh, our pleasure. I don't think we know how not to be. Awesome. <laughs> Pretty unfiltered. <laughs> it's beautiful. Thank you. All right. Well, thanks again. And, yeah. Yeah, and, and we'll enjoy getting out in the sunshine and not having to be so inside. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Really enjoy this freedom. Yeah. I'm sure you nice. will in a totally different way. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. 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 All right. Thanks, guys. Until next time. Take care. Bye. Bye. Okay. Well, I hope you had as much fun listening to that as we had recording it. You know, I was so touched and inspired by Ron and Joe's dedication to community and by their focus and just by the joy that comes through in the way that they engage with the world. I've been following them on social media for a while and I've begun to notice how their video posts seem to make my day. You have to check them out. Um, and I'm guessing that these two are going to continue to be ones to watch right through 2021 and beyond. And speaking of ones to watch, Coming up next, we're going to be sharing a conversation that we had with Heather Plett, the author of The Art of Holding Space. You know, with all that happened in 2020 and our thoughts and our expectations about what that might mean for 2021 and beyond, Maria and I wanted to dive deeper into this important idea of holding space. It's, a, it's an idea and a concept that's talked about or thrown around a lot in the yoga world. And so we wanted to open up the conversation around it for you and for ourselves. And we wanted to take it apart a little and shed some of the myths or the misconceptions about what it is and what it isn't, and maybe even inspire all of us to more consciously engage in the practice of holding space for ourselves and for our friends and family and the world around us this year and beyond. And so stay tuned for that episode. Uh, make sure to subscribe if you want to get uh, notifications about when new episodes come out. Um, and before I let you go, I actually wanted to ask a pretty big question. You know, now is often the time of year when we're reflecting and we're projecting and we're making plans for change and from what I'm seeing out there, it feels like there's been a little bit of a shift in this old practice, just a little one, uh, one that acknowledges that this whole calendar thing is really just something we made up in order to give ourselves more control. And for me, it feels like every new year, I'm realizing more and more how little control I actually have. 
and how little that matters. Just like everyone else, for years I've allowed the passing of each new each new year to kind of turn up the volume on my anxiety and, and that internal voice that reminds me that I'm getting older or that time is running out. But if 2020 and the years before it, if they've taught me anything, it's to embrace that every new day is a new beginning. It's a new opportunity to become aware of and or to let go of some way of thinking or being that really isn't supporting who I want to be today. Ayurveda and yoga have taught me that, have really taught me uh, to embody this idea that we're constantly in flux and that every new day is the start of a new year, technically. And so the question I want to throw out to you isn't about how you're going to change the way you think or eat or move this year. It's what are you doing to live like you love yourself today, in this moment? As always, thank you so very much for listening. We look forward to a deeper and continued connection in the days and weeks and months ahead. Take care of yourselves. Namaste. Namaste.